Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy to be won. Good evening, and welcome to our Lifeline Bible Study here at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. We are so glad to once again be offering and this opportunity to dive into God's Word together. Uh, just wanted to uh, once again remind you that this online Bible study, uh, I am recording early, uh, so in case you stumble across it, that's why, but it'll be posted by 5 o'clock. Also, uh, we do have an in-person Bible study, and that Bible study takes place at 6 o'clock here in the church building where we have an interactive uh, conversational type, type Bible study called DIG. That's where we're digging in with God. And we invite you to watch and be part of both. And so therefore, the one that I record and is available by 5 o'clock uh, on Wednesday, uh, you can watch that at any time after that. Uh, it'll be available. You can go on the website, phbc.online, and you can find that live stream or that video of this Bible study, you'll see the date on there, and you'll be able to see that. And so, therefore, it allows you to do both if you'd like to do that. I think we need more of God's Word, not less. But also, I realize not everybody's able to come and be here for our in-person, and uh, so we still want to continue to offer this online as well. And uh, I had somebody encourage me just the other day, said, Preacher, I just want you to know uh, that I've been watching your study in Ruth. Had no idea this person was watching. And if you're watching again, I appreciate so much your kind encouragement. And uh, I'm so glad that there are people. That's the reason we do this. I'm the pastor of Pleasant Hill Baptist Church, but I want the gospel to be spread everywhere to anybody. And so we want to spread the gospel as far as we can. And I'm thankful for people. I know there are others that are watching that do not get to come. And I'm thankful. And so many people that we don't know are watching. And I'm so thankful for you. And I'm thankful for my church that allows me to do this. And for those of you in my church that watch this, thank you so very much. And again, I encourage you to come and be part if you can. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to come. We meet Sunday morning, 9.45 a.m. and 10.45. 9.45 is a Bible study, small group Bible study. 10.45 is our morning worship service, and we preach from the Word of God. And that service, that's live streamed as well. And then, of course, on Wednesday night, we actually have three services. We have the online, we have the in-person, and then we also have a youth hangout at 7 o'clock. And so we're offering more here at Pleasant Hill and looking forward to what God has in store in the days ahead as well. But we are in the book of Ruth tonight. So in the book of Ruth, go ahead and turn there if you would. In Ruth chapter 2, we began, we've been several weeks ago, began preaching through the book of Ruth. In the first chapter, we talked about three mistakes to avoid while dealing with difficulty. And now we're talking about in chapter 2, keys to inviting God to work through you. As Ruth, uh, we see in Ruth chapter 2, we find three keys. And so last week, we talked about learning to live by faith as we saw in the first few verses where Ruth 
uh, stepped out on faith in what God had instructed the Israelites to do in providing for widows, in providing for the poor, in providing for even the foreigner. Uh, he gave laws and instructions regarding that back in the book of Leviticus, and they were still carrying that out. Even during the time of Judges, there were some that were there that were carrying that out, and Ruth stepped out on faith, believing the God that she had claimed that was going to be her God, and followed the instructions, and she began to glean in the fields. And we saw that last week. This week, we're going to see number two, or key number two, to inviting God to work through you, and that's we must learn to embrace God's grace. Learn to embrace God's grace. God has grace available full and free for you and me. And it comes in all different ways, in all different avenues, in all different channels. And we were introduced last week at the end of the lesson to the channel that Ruth was going to receive this grace through. And that was through the person of Boaz. And so we're going to go ahead and read in Ruth chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read verse 4 through 17. So I'm going to read a large section here of this chapter. And we're going to see that we're going to see how Ruth embraces God's grace and the difference it makes in her life. And so if you would read with me, and then after that we will pray. Uh, but Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I mean, I'm sorry, beginning in verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? Now remember, Ruth is already there reaping in the field of Boaz. Now they didn't. she did not yet know Boaz, did not yet know what we told you last week and the week before, that Boaz was the kinsman redeemer, uh, or the kinsman, and was a relative of Naomi's. She doesn't know that yet, but she's there in his field. We know that because we've read it in verse one, but now in verse four, we see Boaz again, and Boaz in verse five said unto his servant that it was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? Talking about Ruth, she caught his eye. And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, and she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come into the unto the people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. 
Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And took it up, and went to the city, and, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to see this picture of love and grace and redemption in Christ and the church. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see not only do we need to learn to walk by faith, but also we need to learn to embrace your grace. And God, I pray that you'd help us as we look at this lesson. Help us to understand. Help us to embrace the grace that you are showing us in so many ways, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we've been sharing with you, again, the key one was inviting, the key number one in inviting God to work through you is learning to live by faith. We saw that last week. Ruth stepped out on faith in verses, beginning in verse 1, just as we must step out and live by faith in our daily lives. And she was stepping out of faith, looking to find mercy and grace. She knew that she had the trust in the Lord and that God was going to provide somehow, so therefore she's looking for that provision. She's seeking God's provision and by faith. And she's trusting by faith the instructions that were given to the Israelites back with the Mosaic Law, back with in the book of Leviticus, where God had given instructions to take care of the poor, the widows, uh, the foreigners, the orphans, so forth and so on. And so therefore we find that Ruth finds grace in her gleaning. She's able to glean in the field, and that we were introduced to Boaz. Now we're going to be more fully introduced to Boaz because that's the avenue of grace that is bestowed upon Ruth is the person of Boaz. And while the story of Ruth and Boaz is certainly an important historical one, and certainly it's a picture of grace, but it's also one that draws a picture of Jesus and of those that will be the church, that will become the church, or those that will be saved. And of those, it's a picture of redemption. And it is a picture, certainly, of God's grace. Now, what is grace? Well, grace is undeserved kindness. That's the short definition. Um, but God, is, to make it a little bit longer, it might be more involved, is God's grace is undeserved favor or kindness. Or to say it another way, it's favor or kindness that is bestowed on someone who does not deserve it and cannot earn it. That is what grace 
is. I often say it this way, grace is us receiving what we do not deserve. Mercy is us not getting what we do deserve. But it is favor or kindness showed to someone who can't earn it or deserve it. And Ruth certainly had no right to earn or deserve the privileges she got in the field of Boaz. But we'll see that here in just a moment. Ruth, in this picture, represents us, uh, people, sinners, in need of redemption, in need of a Savior, in need of grace. Uh, in, it, it, Ruth was a widow. She was a foreigner. She was poor. She was on the lowest rung of the ladder with no hope whatsoever of really bettering her situation or certainly earning the right to own land or to even really take care of herself. She had no hope whatsoever. And like Ruth, we need grace because in a spiritual sense, we need salvation and we can do nothing to earn it, deserve it, get to heaven, earn God's favor. We can't do anything. And so we're on the lowest rung that we can be on. But God in his love and his mercy and in his grace gave us salvation. And God in his love and his mercy and his grace showed this poor widow Moabite woman grace through Boaz. Now Boaz represents in this story, in this picture, a picture of the Lord. He is a type of Christ. Uh, he's the Lord of the harvest. He is later known as the kinsman redeemer. Uh, Boaz represents the channel of grace that God uses in providing for Ruth. And then for you and for I, Jesus Christ is the avenue of grace that God provided in his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave being the first fruits of the dead. In other words, showing that God will raise him from the dead, satisfying the sin debt that Jesus never knew, but he took on himself the sin of us all that would be saved. And so therefore, Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer and Boaz was Ruth's. We have no claim on God's mercy, just as Ruth had no claim on Boaz, but we certainly find it by faith. If we go looking in faith, we find God's mercy and grace. Seek me and you will find me. And that is certainly a picture that we see here in chapter 2. It's wonderful, however, to also know Again, we told you this book of Ruth is taking place during the time of Judges where everybody did what seemed good in their own eyes, or most everybody, the whole world. Kind of like in the world we live in now, where most of the world, people just do what seems good to them. But just as back then, there was still godly people called Boaz and others who sought righteousness, who sought to serve God, who sought to show kindness and love and mercy and grace, there are people in this world, our society today, that are still faithful to God, and we can praise him for that. Boaz was certainly a man who knew the Lord and sought to obey him and his will. He was a man who cared about his workers and his people, and he wanted them to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. But you can have people, godly people, and you can have a poor person, and they never cross paths. But in God's grace, in God's providence, the Lord 
brought them together. Just as and if you're saved, you have been providently brought into interaction with the Lord and he demonstrated his grace and opened your eyes and you confessed and repented and were saved just like anybody else who is has an interaction with the Lord, they too can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. But notice how the providence the Lord showed that Ruth ended up in Boaz's field. Of all the fields she could have ended up in. Now, now, Bethlehem's a small town, but still, of all the fields that were there, she ends up in Boaz's field. Of all the times that she shows up in Boaz's field, Boaz just so happens to come to that particular field at the particular time that she was there working in the field, or actually had come to the, in this particular case, had come to the servant's house where they would get water and refreshment and to rest, and Boaz just happens to be there checking on his field, checking on the workers, and his eye falls upon Ruth. You know, she could have stayed at home that day. She could have been sick that day. She could have been resting a different time that day. She could have been in a different field that day. She could have been with Naomi that day. But God in his providence brought them together just as God in his providence, if you've been saved, brought you into the path of Jesus Christ and received grace. Notice in Boaz's interactions this picture of redemption and the similarities in God's interactions with us today. Number one, Boaz first took interest in Ruth. Now we already read that where he asks about her, who is this woman, who is this maiden? We see here, and Boaz says, uh, uh, verse, I'm sorry, I turned the wrong chapter. Uh, let me go back. Verse 7, uh, uh, verse 6, verse 5, Boaz asks, who is this damsel? And then the servant begins to explain it to him. And while he's explaining it to him, he turns to Ruth and starts talking to her. So therefore, Boaz first took interest in Ruth. And I want you to see that that picture again, I want you to see the comparison, the similarity, where God, if you've been saved, and even if you have not been saved, God has an interest and a love for you. God has his eye on you. God has interest in you. But if you're saved, God certainly first noticed you. There is nothing in you that would have noticed God if God had not brought himself across your path. And so God first took notice of us, and Ruth did not know anything about Boaz in the beginning, but it is Boaz that notices her. I want you to see number two, Boaz first spoke to Ruth. Now this is key, because it is God that first approaches and speaks to us. And it is God through the Holy Spirit that first stands at the door of our heart and knocks because and then bids us to enter in, bids us to welcome him in, and we receive him in, and we ask forgiveness, and we repent of our sins, and he abides with us, and then we have authority to pray, and then we have permission to pray and to talk to him. But until then, we have no right to enter the throne room of grace. We have no right to enter the throne room of God. But it is the grace because that is shown in the fact that God first spoke to us just as Boaz first spoke to Ruth. He interrupts his servant, really. Uh, he's talking with his servant, and, she's, and, and she's he's telling 
Boaz that she has tarried a little bit in the house. Then all of a sudden, verse 8, Boaz says to Ruth, Come over here, my daughter. He's very kind in his approach, very friendly in his approach. Not aggressive, just an invitation. And he begins to talk to her. You see, Ruth, being a woman, being a widow, being a Moabite woman, would have had no authority whatsoever. She would have had no right to speak to a person of importance, like to speak to a man, let alone a person of importance like Boaz. Oh, do you see the picture that we're seeing here? She would have no right to speak to Boaz first. And we have no right to speak to a holy and just God. In, in fact, because of sin, we are thrust out of his presence. But because of Jesus Christ and the grace, then he calls out to us and says, I stand at the door and knock, and we can come back into his presence. Boaz reached out to her just as God reaches out to you and to me. In fact, we even see that he interrupts what he's doing to speak to Ruth. And the Bible says that God leaves the 99 to find the one. And so we see that Boaz kind of blocked out everything else and locked in on Ruth just as God locks in on you and me, and we can have an interaction, we can have a relationship, we can have a conversation, we can come to him at any point in time because we're given authority in the fact that he spoke to us first and he has given grace to us, and if we're saved, we certainly can talk to him. Not only do we see that Boaz reached out to her and, and Boaz uh, uh, interrupted what he was doing to speak to Ruth, but I also want you to see the significance of what is taking place here. Let me illustrate it this way. Bo Boaz was an important man. Ruth was a nobody. So follow this, this little illustration. When I was a young child, I probably was eight or nine. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I was just a young lad, and my parents took our family, went on vacation to Washington, D.C., they wanted us to see the monuments. They wanted us to see the Smithsonian's. They wanted us to see uh, the museums that were there. They wanted us to see the White House. They wanted us to see the Capitol. The, the, we saw the, the, uh, the mint we, we, where money was printed. We saw all that as a kid. While we are walking on the streets of Washington, D.C., I remember seeing a helicopter fly up and down the street, back and forth, back and forth. We didn't know yet what was going on, and then all of a sudden we see motorcycles coming towards us on the street. A bunch of motors and a bunch of cars. And then we noticed there was a motorcade. My dad said, that's the presidential motorcade. Now, this is in the 80s, probably 1983. So I probably was 10, 11 years old. And in that motorcade was Ronald Reagan. We noticed the presidential motorcade was driving by, and then we noticed Ronald Reagan with the window rolled down, and he was waving at the people as he drove by. The greatest, in my mind, the greatest president of my life. Now, I'm not a politician. I certainly didn't know anything about politics then, but I know that Ronald Reagan was a great president. I know that he served eight years. I know that my parents were largely supportive of the decisions that Ronald Reagan meant, uh, let, made. But I know that he was a big deal 
as a kid, and I was in awe. And it would have been amazing if Ronald Reagan had stopped his car and said, Hey, Jonathan, how are you, young man? Come on, hop up in my car. Let me talk to you for a while. That would have been amazing. It didn't happen. He just drove by. He didn't know me from anybody else. He was just waving as he drove past. But greater than Ronald Reagan is God Almighty. And God took notice of me, and God stopped and spoke to me, and God made the way for me, and God invited me, and not just me, but you as well. And what a picture it was. That was a picture of Boaz stopping and talking to Ruth. That's the point that I'm trying to make. And he still speaks to us of salvation and of guidance that we need through this life. But not only did Boaz first speak to Ruth, but Boaz promises to protect and provide for Ruth just as it is God who provides and protects us. Look in verse 9. He says, Let thine eyes be on the field they, they, uh, that they do reap, and go thou after them. In fact, go back to verse 8. He says, Listen, go not to glean another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. And let thine eyes be in the field that they do. In other words, stay with them. And I have charged the young men, they shall not touch thee. Now that can also mean, or be translated, they are to protect thee. And so therefore, not only does Boaz speak to her, but also promises to protect and provide for her, he invites her to stay in his field. Don't go looking for grace somewhere else. Don't go looking for a way or for provision from somebody else. And that's what God says to us. There's all kinds of people that are going to offer protection or provision or, hey, look, get it this way. I think of, I was just reading the other day about Jesus Christ when he was in the wilderness and the devil, this is our Sunday school lesson for this week, and the devil says, hey, just Worship me and I'll give you all this. God had a way, and that was Jesus Christ, for him to get all that. The devil says, hey, find the easier way. Find a different way. Find a simpler way. I'll give it to you now. The world will offer you all kinds of ways, but Jesus Christ, or Boaz says, don't go in anybody else's field. And God would say to us, don't go anywhere else, but just look to me and trust in me. And Boaz offers to protect her and to provide for her. Invites her to stay in the field. Instructs the male workers to protect her. Instructs the female servants to include her and allow her to walk with them. Instru instructs his workers to allow her special privileges. Look over, if you would, in verse 15. When she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. In other words, the sheaves were the bales, or what they had already bound up as they're collecting the, the, the wheat, as they're collecting the barley there. Uh, let her even pull some out of those bales. Not just pick up the stuff that's left behind that you didn't quite get it all off the branches or all off the, out, of the, out of the crop, but let her actually get handfuls out of the bales themselves, the sheaves. And then he says, and then also drop some on the ground for her on purpose. Verse 16, let fall some of the handfuls on purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them. See, listen, you're not going to just get to glean as far as pick up the scraps. I'm going to let you into the sheaves and I'm going to drop stuff on purpose for you. He's protecting and providing 
for her. He's treating her like a member of his family. Back over in verse 9, he says, and if you get tired, you get thirsty, come back to the hospitality suite. Look there in the, in the latter half of verse 9. And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Notice the special privileges she has. And then go back over to verse 14 again, jumping back and forth a little bit here, but watch this. He even sits down and eats with her. Now look at the picture again that we're seeing. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, provides for us. He gives blessings for us. He rains down blessings for us. We don't have to scrap and pinch and, and, and crawl and beg. God says, hey man, you've got access to all that I have. But also, Boaz eats with her and personally hands her the food. Look in verse 14. Boaz said unto her, A mealtime, come thou hither. There's the invitation. One day we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb up in heaven. And we're invited to that if we know Jesus Christ as Savior. And eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. That's a special kind of eating. That was fancy eating for them back in that day. And she sat beside the reaper. She went over and sat with the workers. And then look what happens here. <coughs> and he reached her parched corn and did eat and was sufficed and left. In other words, he personally handed her food. That's special treatment. But God personally delivers to us all that we have that is good. It is God that provides it. It is God that hands it over. What amazing picture of grace in this picture of him eating with her as the master became like the servants or sat, came down and joined the servants so that he might show his love to the stranger, to the foreigner. And Jesus Christ left the portals of glory and took off the, or put on the robe of flesh of mankind born as a baby and lived as a man, a perfect example, and taught us and died for us, becoming a commoner just like us so that he could hand us salvation and be an avenue of grace to us and to win us to his Father as he died for us on the cross. And all of this was offered. But Ruth had to accept it. You see, all of this was offered, but Ruth had to accept it just as we must accept salvation. It's there for the taking, but we have to repent and call on God. God does all this to get her attention, but we must be willing to accept his gifts of grace. Ruth had no idea what Boaz had done or that he had commanded his workers to be generous, but she believed his word and found that all of her needs are met. We don't see all that God is doing for us. We don't understand all that God is doing for us. We don't hear all that God is saying for us. But if we believe and put our trust and our faith and step out on our faith, we will find that we too will be satisfied. Boaz also encouraged Ruth, and it is God that encourages us and Ruth's response was one of appreciation and humility. Why would, you, why, why would you show favor to me? Over in verse 10, she falls on her face and bows herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing that I am a stranger or a foreigner? 
She acknowledged that she was unworthy. We are unworthy. But she also believed what he said, and we must believe what God has says, said. And we can rejoice when we focus on our Savior and his faithfulness to us, just as she had joy at the end of this story when she returns to Naomi because she had faith and stepped out on it and was welcoming and embracing of the grace that was shown to her. You say, well, how does this invite God to work through us? Because she had faith that she stepped out on, but if she had rejected and refused the grace and the avenue of grace that was being shown her, she never would have been in the line of Jesus Christ. That was God's plan for her. We can rejoice when we focus on the Savior and His faithfulness, but we must rejoice, and we must not get caught up in looking back on our circumstances and becoming bitter as Naomi did, or bemoan our own problems, or our own issues, or our own circumstances, or say, well, why do they have it different than we do? She could have done that. She could have been bitter like Naomi. She could have said, I'm not going to stay in this field. I'm not going to glean. I don't believe because I've been through a hard time. But she did not. I've been through much difficulty. I've lost loved ones. But she did not. In the end, Boaz saw to it that Ruth was satisfied. And we look to God and find that he provides all that we need and more. And all this happened because Ruth had faith in God. Boaz knew her story, and Boaz knew her testimony, and God knows our story, and God knows what our testimony will be. I'm telling you, if we listen to the voice of the world, we will not believe. There are many that would have told Ruth, you don't have a chance, don't even try. There are many that would have said that many voices in the world that would say, hey, go look for, for provision or some other way somewhere else. Don't believe in this God that you can't see. But Ruth put her faith in God and was provided with enough and more. And again, if we put our faith in God and step out on faith and allow the avenues of grace that he places in our life by providence, God will bring people into your life by providence. One of the things I've learned as a preacher, especially in my young preacher days, was not to reject out of pride the people that God brought into my life to provide and to help and to be a blessing. Oh, my friends, see the picture of Christ in the church. See the picture of love and grace. See the picture of Ruth and Boaz. See the, see the picture of God's grace in action. The key was that Ruth had to step out on faith and put her faith into action but she also had to embrace God's grace just as we must embrace God's grace and just as we must go forward by faith. Oh, my friends, I pray that we would be, invite God to be used. Invite God to work in our lives, to work through us. Step out on faith, believing what God has said, that God has called you, that God wants to use you, and then believe God's word that he'll provide and he'll protect and he will bring grace into your life to lead you along the way and allow your life to be an avenue of grace for somebody and be used in God's kingdom for God's purposes, for God's glory. We've got one more step to see, and we'll share that next week. Until next time, remember I love you. More importantly, God loves you.
keep your eyes on him. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. This